Welcome to the place where people of faith find real answers. We believe women deserve more than just religious band-aids for their most difficult and destructive relationships. And now for today's episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Most people would applaud a couple married for 32 years with seven kids. I mean, that's successful, right? But Tammy, that's not exactly how you would describe your marriage. Why? Things really were never really great. I had a husband that was very indifferent and just really didn't be who I wanted him to be, who I thought he was supposed to be. I heard you describe your husband in the early years of your marriage as being indifferent. What do you mean? The indifference was that he chose to work as much as he could, come home, and watch TV and eat. He did not want a relationship. So I'm desperate for a friend, a husband. I even went so far as to early on in the marriage, I asked him just so I could get my fill. Could he sit and talk to me for 10 minutes per day? Just sit and face-to-face talk to me for 10 minutes, and then he could go watch TV, but could he do that, and could I have one hug a day? I know this sounds really ridiculous, because it is, and he could not do that. He would forget, or how about he'd walk in the house and he'd go right over and watch TV, and I'd go, wait a second, can we do the 10 minutes, and he'd be like, you know, just disgusted. And that made me feel bad. I've always believed in uh, submitting to your husband and everything that I thought the Bible taught me and what my church taught me, but things never seemed okay. I always was struggling. We were always having problems. And no matter what Bible study I went to, what book I read on marriage, Nothing ever seemed to work right. And I was always frustrated. And I realized now that I was extremely angry an extremely angry mother and wife because of all that I was going through. And I thought I was really the problem. I thought if I would just get myself right, that I would have this marriage that I saw so many other people have that they had a best friend. And I, that's all I wanted. None of that produced a best friend or even a helper. What was that like? He never helped in in the house. He never helped with dishes. He never helped with laundry. He, He helped with nothing. And I was doing all of this with all these kids. And he would he would work till very late. I was very lonely. I have all these kids. I'm homeschooling. You know, it just, I was lonely and I want, I really wanted this man to be my best friend, best friend and to just be my confidant and just the person that I meshed with. That's why I married him. Things got pretty controlling too, didn't they? He had complete control of the money and I would have to ask him for money. I needed money for groceries. And then when I would spend a certain amount, he would think it was too much. And I could just never do anything right. But if he went to the grocery store, he would spend double what I would spend and it was okay. So there was, it was very unbalanced. Did you experience a lot of anger from him in the home? 
lots of anger. He never hit me, but there was still this abuse there where, you know, his anger caused me to be fearful. I was scared. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was, I was scared. What was his anger? Like his anger was like slamming things down and slamming cupboards and stomping around slamming doors. And it rattled me. It scared me. What would set him off? Uh, setting him off was, could be something as simple as the dog was in his way and he tripped over the dog, or if he opened the refrigerator and something fell out onto the floor, or how about if I said, could we just talk? Can we just talk? I just want to talk. Or how about if, oh, this would really set him off if he's watching say a violent TV show. And I'd ask him to turn it off because the kids are around. Oh, that would definitely, he would say things like, can't a man be in his own home and watch what he wants to watch. So nothing made sense to me. Unfortunately, a lot of women deal with these kinds of situations, but yours got worse. Describe that. In um, 2010, it just got really, really bad. What do you mean? We went from indifferent to he was following me around, waking me up in the middle of the night, demanding sex all the time. Like it was really ugly and really bad. So I went to my church because I, I needed help. And my church told me that, you know, I'm very angry And I needed to submit to him and I needed to be understanding and he, he, you know, he works a lot and I needed to have sex with him and not deny him of that. And I needed to allow God to work in him and not to um, demand all these things that I I demanded. (laughs) What were the things that you were demanding? I wanted him to let me sleep during the night. I wanted to be able to say no to sex if I didn't want to. I wanted a husband that would um, have a conversation with me and talk to me. And um, I wanted to be able to have money without always having to ask him. And I was at an all-time low and I didn't know what to do because the Bible says to submit to your husband and it just didn't feel right. I didn't understand. I, I wanted to submit, but why would I have to submit to something so ugly and that didn't feel right? And I just didn't get it, but this is what I was told. And I believed it. What was the most frustrating part of the advice that you received from the church? It sounded like I had to do everything. It was all on me and it didn't feel right. And I got to an all time low because I didn't feel like anyone was listening to me. And I had some people saying, just leave him. And other people were saying, just submit to him. And then I was like, I don't know what to do. And I cried out to the Lord. And that's when I decided, you know what, God, I know you don't want me having sex with someone that I don't feel safe with. And I realized that the Bible does say, submit to your husband. But a few sentences before that, it says, submit to one another. And he wasn't a safe person for me. And when I finally said, okay, this is my body and I'm taking care of my body and I don't feel good about what's happening to my body. That was when my healing started. 
I read Leslie's book, The Emotionally Destructive Marriage, and this all happened at the same time. And I started having a voice in my own life. And I had a lot of flack from the church that I wasn't doing it right. But I decided I was going to honor God. And that's what felt right. Not what everyone else. Tell me what they said that you were doing not right. Um, I was saying no to sex. Sometimes I was angry. I was angry. I was unforgiving. That's, this is what they told me because I, he would say something and I'd go, he's lying. He's lying. And they'd say, now, wait a second. You're judging him. And I would be like, no, he's lying. And I would be screaming. I looked like the abuser. I was angry. I looked bad to everyone, not him, me. You eventually went to see a counselor outside of the church. What was that like? It was the counselor that um, recommended Leslie's book. I read Leslie's book. The counselor tells me this isn't how you're supposed to be treated. And I was amazed that someone actually said, you're not supposed to be treated this way. I had never heard that before. He didn't say, you need to be trying harder. You need to pray more. You need to have sex more. You need to go to more Bible studies. Read another book. Well, he did recommend Leslie's book. but It was, an, it was a male counselor. It was a male counselor. Wow, good. Life-changing. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Life-changing. And I went to him for um, about two years. And I did my work. I joined Conquer. I watched her videos. Those were my devotions every day. And I wrote out everything. I did my work. I was like, Lord, I'm following you. And I'm not listening to everyone else. And I just kept, I, these are her videos. She does, um, they have the handout that goes with the videos. And that's my, I learned my learning process of writing things out. That's how I learned. I started journaling what he was doing to me. I was keeping track of things. And I was told before from the church that you don't keep a record of wrongs. So I had that in my head that I, I wasn't allowed to do that. But my counselor shared with me how you do need to keep track of things because he's saying so many things that are lies and not making sense that I was so confused. He was gaslighting me. So I had, I started writing out the things that he said, because three weeks later, he'd go, I never said that. And I'd pull out my journal and I'd go, oh, he did say it. I wrote it down. And so these were the things that helped me heal. And then listening to other people's stories on Conquer, I was like, I'm not the only one. I thought I was the only person in this world. I really did. That that doesn't make sense. But I thought no one else knew this crazy life I live. And here there's all these other women that are living these crazy lives too, So one of the things that really spoke to me that Leslie said was my big circle. And I might not be saying this right, but this is my takeaway from it. My big circle was who do I want to be? 
And so I actually wrote it out. It's probably, it's in one of my journals. And I wrote out, I want to be kind. I want to be patient. I want to be honest. I don't want to be the person I was screaming and angry. And I don't want to be that person. So how do I get to that person I want to be? And so I wrote in that circle all that I wanted to be. And I realized I don't need to operate out of my thoughts and my feelings. I have thoughts and I have feelings, but that's not, if I operate out of that, oh, that's when I'm going to start screaming and I'm going to be angry and I'm going to say, this isn't right. Instead, I want to operate out of my big circle. And no, it isn't right. It is not right what I've been through. But I'm a different person now because I'm looking at who I want to be and I'm not allowing anyone to take that away from me. And so now I, it started to become like a game for me that I would, he would do something and I would normally I'd go and I'd shoot off my mouth and we'd start fighting. So then I'd go, okay, what can I do? Cause I can't change him, but what can I do? And so I would take every single instance that he did something I didn't like. And I'd say, what can I do? And I would change it. I would change the dynamic. And it might mean if he was slamming the cupboards, I'd go upstairs. If he was doing something I, I didn't like, if he was angry, I would walk out of the room. Oh, here's something that he would do to me all the time. And he very seldom does it now. If I start talking to him, he will actually start walking out of the room and I would follow him. And I keep talking and he's walking away from me and I'm talking to his back. That's something he did. And it bothered me so much. I will not do that anymore. The minute he turns and walks away from me, I walk away too. I stop talking immediately. I can only control me. I can't control him. The other thing is he would watch TV all the time while I'm talking. So I, I would stand in front of the TV so he'd have to listen to me. Now, if he looks at the TV while I'm talking, I just stop talking and I walk away. I'm not fighting with the TV. I'm not, I'm, I, I deserve more than that. I can't change him. I can only change me. Did it end up changing him? Things have not changed a whole lot, but I have changed. And so I have come to, I had to grieve my marriage. I had to have a good cry, a real good cry and realize that I cannot do more to make him better. I can't, it does not work. And when I finally grieved the death of my marriage, I was able to say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do now? And I think every person has a different answer, a different story. For me, mine, what's best for me is to stay well. And I can do that. But in order to do that, I'm safe. That is number one. And the other thing that I can do is I let go of this marriage. I have to let go of it. Tell me what so, you mean when you say let go. Do you mean so the marriage I, that you wanted or what, what do you mean? So I have to let go of the marriage that I wanted, basically of marriage at all. 
there really, how can there be a marriage where there's not mutual kindness and being a friend to the other person? I don't have all of that. And I'm okay now. I can be okay, even though I had to lose a marriage. I had to lose it. So I can be married, but I don't operate as if I'm married. I live in the same house with someone. We seldom fight anymore. We don't fight because I don't expect to know where he's at. I, if, if he doesn't come home at night, I don't say a word. I have completely detached. And so there's the money, the money. Well, with technology now, things are a little different. I have a debit card on my phone, Apple pay. I didn't have that 20 years ago. I have it in my Amazon account. I don't have to go to someone and go, can I have $50 for groceries? Now I have it. And you know, when we first started me doing this, where I just go to the grocery store and I'd spend a hundred dollars, I didn't say, Hey, can I have money? I just did it. Well, sometimes he would come home and go, Oh my gosh, what you spent this, you'd spent that. And I'd go, yep, that was it. That, that was it. I mean, so he wasn't happy with what I was doing. Well, I'm not happy with what he's doing and I'm not getting him back. I'm just taking care of my kids and my kids need food and I'm not going to ask for that money. I'm just going to go spend it. You had a pretty major event happen when it comes to the finances. Would you share that story? I think it was in 2018. I was on my way to church and I had a few of the kids in the car with me. And it was a hot, hot day. It was like 90 degrees and my car broke down. Well, I've always drove very, very junky cars. We never had a new car. We usually spent, you know, maybe $2,000 for a car. So I did not have good cars. So I would always be driving around worried that the car would break down. This was my life for years and years. We couldn't afford a new car. We couldn't. So this Sunday, car breaks down. I call him because he's at home. He's mad. He tells me to call AAA. I call triple. So I have to do all this. In the meantime, I had a Sunday school class I had to teach. So I'm stressed. I'm stressed. I finally, I get to church. My daughter came, helped. She drove another daughter. (laughs) Anyway, I got to church and I just broke down crying. And I said, I went in the bathroom and I'm like, okay, I have to keep moving here. And I said, Lord, I'm getting a new car tomorrow. I'm getting a new car. And I, I, it was the scariest thing for me. The next morning, I got up and I went to a car dealership and I told him I wanted to lease a car. And he's like, what car do you, what kind of car do you want? And I'm like, I don't know anything about cars. I don't know. He gave me an Equinox to drive for the day. I'm like, okay. I come back and I go, okay, how much is it? And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, you know? And I got the car and I, my husband had to go sign the papers. I don't have a job. He had to sign for this. 
And so I text him and I said, I went and looked for a car. I'm tired of the cars breaking down. I found one. You need to go sign the papers. He says, we can't afford this. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't respond. He went and he signed the papers. And I've been driving a nice car ever since. Those were the steps I started taking. I'm taking care of myself now. For so many years, I kept pointing the finger at him and going, he should do this. I need a new, instead, I just take the step. I do it. Now, this isn't the answer for everyone. That might be not safe for some people to do something like I did. You have to know what your situation is, but you, you have to do something. And something else I did, and this is something that Leslie talks about, I'm a stay-at-home mom for all these years. I don't have any skills. I've been going to school now full-time. I'm going to get a degree in psychology. Do you know he has never asked what classes I'm taking? I'm in my third year. This gives you an idea. We leave completely separate lives and he's okay with it. I think this is what he always wanted. I just had to accept that he doesn't want to do certain things. He doesn't want that connection. And I also had to stop the physical part of it too. I had to from, and that was huge healing for me to be able to be wondering about that. So you're saying, so do you guys not have sex anymore? No, absolutely not. No, that's not a safe person for me. That's not. And, and believe me, I was scared for a long time (laughs) waiting. And just like he never deals with anything, he didn't deal with that either. He just, I, I think he knows I'm not, I'm a different person now. I'm not playing around and I'm kind too. I'm kind to him. Tell me what that was like to ha- take back the power sexually for yourself. It was, I was scared, 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 because that was um, a huge part of the marriage, a uh, 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 demand. And I said one day, I said, I will never, ever again have sex with you unless I feel safe. I just said that and I walked away and that was it. It was never brought up again. Tammy, would you offer some advice to listeners who may be waking up to the fact that they're in a destructive marriage? If you are in a destructive marriage and you've just been trying and trying and trying and you're getting people telling you to submit and do more, Or maybe you have people saying, you just need to leave. At some point, you have to put on your big girl pants and you have to take ownership of your own life. And you have to figure out what is it that the Lord wants you to do? What is honoring to God? And you have to do your work. You have to watch Leslie's videos and do your work. It's not easy. It's tough stuff when you have to deal with your own shortcomings, because when you're dealing with toxic people, they're bringing out the ugliness in you. And I've been there. I know what it feels like to be angry with 
everyone. I was fighting with everyone because I, he, I was slowly being destroyed. And I just had a moment where I said, Lord, I'm going to follow you. You are who I'm going to follow. And I know the Bible says to submit, but it doesn't feel right. And I'm going to figure out what this is. And, and that's when I did my devotions every day were Leslie's videos for over a year. That was my devotions. And I was looking up Bible verses. I was hearing what she was saying. I was listening to the phone calls. I started listening to the phone calls and every single one, there was at least one lady that was experiencing what I was experiencing. And it's life-giving if you allow the Lord to work in you and you cannot make that other person change. You cannot guilt them into it. You can't rationalize with them. You can't. You have to accept this is who they choose to be. And now I've allowed my husband to be exactly who he wants to be. Because when I was in his face, he could always point the finger at his nagging wife. He cannot point the finger at me anymore because I'm not nagging. Now he's left to be who he wants to be. And he can't blame me. He can't. And it's hard, hard, hard. There is nothing easy about any of this. And you have to do, shed lots of tears, but you have to take the next step and take care of yourself and your children. And the Lord's with us. He was with me through all of this. And I wouldn't trade it for anything because now I know what it feels like to have your church go against you and to have people go against you. But there are people out there that understand. And something else I want to say is that same church, I'm still going there and they now understand what they did. It, so that is a testimony. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, you should stay at every church, but I'm saying they were open to listening once I got myself together and they could hear me. They couldn't hear me when I was screaming. They, they, they wouldn't listen to me, but when I got myself right and they saw what God's doing in my life, now they're seeing truth. And I'm so grateful for my church, that same church and those same people understand and they've apologized to me. That so. is a miracle. That was actually my, my last question was, you know, so you kept this guy and these, this church and you're, you're sane. And I'm my church. I'm leading a support group at my church for women. They are fully supporting me. And now we're starting a men's accountability group. We are just starting it. I, I am amazed. I can hardly believe what God has done in my life. That's amazing. I mean, it, is. it, it really, really is. is amazing. I can't believe I'm saying it without crying. I, it's right here. <laughs> I can't believe it. But what I can say is I didn't get what I wanted. I did not get that marriage I wanted, but I'm okay. I'm okay with it. I had to come to grips with that. I had to say, okay, Lord, I'm not getting what I want, but you're still going to use this for good. You will use this for good. I'm believing your word. 
that you say you'll bring all things together for good, Romans 8, 28. And I'm believing it and I'm seeing it. I did not believe it before. I believe it now. I held on to God's truths. Tammy, thank you so much for sharing your story and for sharing that though you may not get everything you want, there is a way of staying and staying well. Thank you for listening to Relationship Truth Unfiltered. If you haven't subscribed yet, be sure to hit that follow button. And we would appreciate if you would leave your honest rating and review of this podcast. Well, until next time, may God bless your mind, your heart, and your home.